Welcome to episode 15 of the Circles Off podcast. We're not going to waste any time this week. We're going to get right into it with uh, our guest of the week. We had Dougie K on earlier this week. So we're going to downgrade a little bit here with, with Joey K, as he's known in the uh, Twitter community. Joey Kanish, if you uh, follow him on Twitter, at Joey Kanish 22 gambling Twitter DGen, grinding that rent money, as seen on NBA on TNT, DM for betting partnership, once called basically a card counter by Dave Portnoy. We're going to get into most of those topics this week. Uh, we welcome in Joey. How are things going, man? Uh, I tell you what, if, if uh, you had told me I'd be, uh, you know, on a sports betting pond with a couple of guys from Toronto uh, at some point in my life, I, I would have told you it was it was crazy. Now, I will say, I will say, I hate, I'll get the pleasantries out of the way that a number of people really wanted to talk about this. I had a couple of requests in that. I, I, I This is going to sound like uh, narcissistic, but I, I can't stand talking to, to like, people about sports betting that have no effing idea what they're doing. So uh, this is the pleasantry of like, you gentlemen know uh, the situation. I've enjoyed the podcast. So uh, it'll be, it'll be good to break down some of the recent events here. Going to sound narcissistic coming from a guy who recorded himself doing push-ups <laughs> in, in front of an audience. All right, Kanish, let, let's get into it. I, I mean, Kanish, I, I lost $25 at bet online on your push-up contest. I know a lot of, I lost, I, I lost more than that. Uh, also, unfortunately, but my favorite all-time tweet that I've ever been mentioned in is uh, Dave Mason tweeting out the highest bet things that bet online in the past hour. And, and it like being the peak of COVID, it was like table tennis, three, some Belarusian soccer one and Joey Kanish push-ups over uh, at the number one spot for most bet, uh, most handle at, at bet online there. So yeah, that was, it was a tough one to let some people down. Uh, unfortunately, I think Rob uh, made some money on the under there. Yeah, I was, uh, I was on the op- opposite side of most of those wagers, but all right. <laughs> Full Kanish, transparency. Uh, I was just trying to square up my account. So Mason wouldn't ban me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that was a, a good way to I'm get like, some long. If I bet Joey Kanish over, there's no way this guy's cutting my account. He's going to think I'm the biggest idiot of all time. <laughs> all right, Kanish, let, let the people know what you do. So, um, obviously you're pretty active in the Twitter community. I'm, I know a lot of people that are listening to this are active in the Twitter community. Uh, but I mean, for those who just follow your account, they're going to see a bunch of random posts about pretty much everything. Uh, some occasional props posted here and there, some hot dog props and whatever else you do. Uh, but how do you approach sports betting? Are, are you originating markets, big markets, small markets? Are you moving for others? I guess what's the the day to day in the Joey Kanish grind? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys have done a nice job of, of kind of uh, you know differentiating on some of the pods that you've had people on of like uh, with abnormally distributed being like your classic like straight up originator, you know, perfecting models and all that uh, versus you know Harut and that who who are kind of doing their uh, you know steam chasing top down approach. I would put myself in more of the category of uh, a mover um, with kind of the the specialization being trying to get more money down uh on markets that have a either are uh illiquid to to some uh you have a higher roi higher return um than than typical whereas um uh, you know a lot of my stuff now is where i work with a guy i know you know rob know you know well out of chicago uh as a partner we met a few years ago both had kind of uh he's really helped me scale um my end of it of 
of basically trying to to get as much down uh, on some smaller market stuff as possible. Whereas your typical guy who's even, you know, doing his own betting might be able to get, um, you know, a hundred or 200 here on it. Whereas we have the ability, uh, you know, to be able to get on that same market, a couple of dimes, maybe even more than that, uh, whether it be some, you know, some lower league soccer, a lot of props and that kind of stuff uh, of just being able to scale up, higher ROI markets um, and help people get more down. And, and that helps obviously their end of it of being able to get some, uh, you know, some more, you know, equity in that. And then obviously our end of it of, uh, you know, being able to, to kind of run the account system there. Uh, obviously mostly credit and PPH and, you know, that type of skin. Um, but I, I, with the legals, that's helped, that's helped scale up tremendously, especially because with, I'm within, uh, you know, distance of a couple of major, um, you know, legals here within like 10 minutes of my house. So um, that, that's basically the day to day with it. Uh, you know, some years ago I, I was doing, you know, a lot of a college, I still do some early week college football origination, just as kind of a, an art of love. Um, but I don't do too much, uh, you know, personal origination anymore, a couple of markets here and there. Uh, but, but most of it's been now scaling up, uh, moving it and being a, you know, quote unquote mover per se for a number of different markets. You talked about the, the growth of the regulated market. Um, I think we, we've seen that and obviously in, in the last couple of years, but um, proximity for sports books, uh, two sports books being a big thing for you. And one of the big things in the last few weeks that we've noticed on your timeline is sort of a beef with the Barstool sports book, particularly um, getting Dave Portnoy to actually respond to you. Uh, although he didn't like really truly direct it at you, it was a clear response to to a video that you made. So walk us through what happened there with your your barstool situation, and particularly like we all have things that will trigger us. Or t- I'll use the poker analogy since you're Joey Kanish that that'll tilt us uh, in some way. Obviously, this had some profound impact on you to the point where you wanted to record a video uh, because of how upset you were. So walk us through what happened there, and then specifically why that tilted you so much. Yeah, so the, the, the first thing is kind of the standard, um, like, you know, got the email that, that says you're not eligible for, which is a fancy worded email of saying you're limited too. So, and again, I do a lot of stuff like in kiosk and counter and stuff, but basically with slashing my app limits and saying you're not available for the promotions. I, I would say the reason it, 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 I'll compare it to, um, you know, you know, stuff that, you know, Rob and I back in the day, I, you know, Robbie, you know, you eventually it's yelling at clouds so long but you know when you're going after touts and stuff for for being scam the whole thing about barstool sportsbook is it, it's it's no different it's just a candy book and it's like they've tried to do this whole branding thing uh, of like even in dave's response of like we're for for the player we're you it, it's no it's literally a DraftKings, bet rivers the same line sets the same risk management all of the same things that can be, who's, you know, a third party, uh, you know, like basically operator that, you know, provides lines to all these different books. They're no different. So it's all this big scam and shit and like, oh, Barstool is like, it's all just a bit. And a lot of people don't want to go after Barstool on, you know, Twitter for various reasons, obviously that, you know, whether they're, they're going to, you know, the stoolies will come out and troll you and that. I, I thought I had them here kind of, 
in a by the ball situation of, uh, you know, especially when like Dave is promoting how much you see the hold percentage and like all these things that they're, they're trying to, you know, put up there like, Oh, the, we're, we're the great. It's like, we we've created this book that's doing so well because of all the losers that we've gotten to it. And now when you have somebody uh, that that's even, and I wasn't doing any, that's the other thing is, you know, the things that they accused me of was I wasn't doing any, you know, promotional scamming or bonus bagging or any of that crap. It was just straight up batting. Uh, and then when the, you see they you have a little bit of edge, then you get the same exact, you know, response that a DraftKings, a bet river, any of those can be books would get you on a risk management. Um, so it's, it, it, it triggered me because the whole thing, the whole barstool brand, the whole we're different, we're for the player it, is all bullshit. Like it's absolute bullshit uh, that, that they're like trying to go, you know, and, and put this cover that we're different. They're no different. They're the exact same as like four different other sports books. It just has a different interface and like Dave and freaking big cats faces on it. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, uh, I, I loved your, your recording of it. It made me laugh quite a bit, but I, I watched Portnoy's response to it afterwards. And I will say um, Portnoy is obviously a very polarizing character. Uh, for a lot of people, like I'm just one of those guys that is indifferent on on Barstool and Portnoy. I think some of the stuff they do is hilarious. I think some of the stuff they do, you know, sucks. I know Big Cat from uh, back in when I was an Odd Shark influencer and I met him a couple times. I want to say I know him, but I've, I've had some great conversations with him. So like I'm very much indifferent on it. But I, I personally, as a sports better, absolutely hated the comparison to the blackjack card counting. Like as if that's perfectly acceptable, right? Oh, you know, casinos can ban blackjacks card counters. Why can't we just ban winning sports betters? But also like indirectly giving out the message that we only take losing players, basically. Like we're only taking you if you don't have an edge. Like I, I just didn't really understand that as a marketing tactic. It was like a whole, yeah, yeah. Like he had this can response, you know, this first line of, I didn't pay much attention to it. Here's two minutes with all these talking points <laughs> that somebody fed me that I can respond. And like, yeah, I mean, the card counter, the, the accusation is garbage because a lot of books, uh, you, you know, so there's, I won't say a lot, but a number of books it, it take sharp action or winning player action uh, and can use that information. It, it, you know, a card counter is basically, it, it, you're going to, there's no chance mathematically that you're going to lose. It's not a relevant comparison. I saw one guy had a good response of like, if you use the information you get from sharp betting properly, it can actually, you know, increase your PL as a sports book. Now that's extremely difficult to do. A lot of books don't do it very well. It's much easier. I would say from a, you know, PL standpoint, just to extremely limit or get rid of uh, betters, which is kind of the tactic that most uh, European books take. The other thing is that here's the other way that, that, and I'll say this as Barry, when you see the, the losing players and the whole percent is the, this European model is it's not only the limiting and the booting of uh, sharp players, it's predatory risk management where the losing player can bet more like you get a clean account, right? It doesn't it has the standard limits and then you either get limited down as a sharp player or if you're losing, you get increased limits on the same markets. So that way, you know, I, I, there was a guy, I, I give you the quick story that in had a DraftKings Canby book who was able to get down. It was, uh, you know, a guy of a guy, you know, that I know in New Jersey <laughs> from a beard account that was able to get down. It was five grand on a NASCAR prop. Let me say a NASCAR prop 
they took that even on a clean account would take like $500 was able to bet $5,000 on it because he had dumped so much money into these books. So that's when you get, you know, Dave and the Swiss was like, we're for the player. We're for the, he kept repeating this, like, you know, talking point. We're for it. They're absolutely not for the player. They're for the losing player. Um, and that if anything, they can get, you know, you get more promotions, you get more cash back. You can bet higher limit. As long as you're dumping money, you're you show any type of a pulse. And then, you know, you're, you're working it down to, you know, having to do all these other things to get down, which don't get me wrong. This I don't want people to be like, ah, uh, you know, feel bad. This wasn't like a sob story. I'll be fine here, getting money down here at uh, Barstool Sport. There's still plenty of ways around it, uh, <laughs> but just this specific instance was triggering because of the way they brand themselves, and then obviously the Dave response, which was filled with uh, number one, just bold-faced lies of like the whole like bonus and card counter comparison thing, uh, and then two, just just his you know typical shillery of like Penn stock and all that. Uh, when, when basically all that says is like, uh, we have betters losing. And then he's trying to play both sides, which is bullshit. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a lot of credit there. You said a lot of things uh, that I agree with 100% in that, in that rant. Uh, I think the one thing I agree with the most is you saying like these guys having that, that brand that is for the people. For example, when you go look at that whole like, uh, you know, the GameStop and all the stock shilling and stuff like that. And then how Portnoy went after the Robin Hood CEO. So this guy wasted all this guy. These, these guys cost this guy so much money and yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, like he's branding himself as someone who's like, I'm the people's advocate. I'm going to let everybody be fair. I'm going to help all these people with the Barstool Fund. And personally, I'm a, I'm actually a Barstool fan and a fan of Portnoy. But at the end of the day, it comes to a point where when he's now going ahead and bringing this into sports betting and just completely spreading misinformation, like, um, for example, his his little hack that he announced this week of how to get a, a ticket into that NASCAR event, which was just basically team up with a buddy and bet both sides, 10 grand on each side, and then one of you is going to win and one is going to lose, and then basically you automatically get the, like, things like this. It's just to the point where uh, last week I kind of said, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in a sense that I think when you mention he had five talking points about it, even though he said I didn't pay much attention to it, quite obviously, like someone fed him those talking points, right? He doesn't really understand exactly what's happening. So if someone is like a big suit and goes to Portnoy and says, yeah, we banned this guy. Of course we banned him. He's using bots to bet on the site and he's taking advantage of bonuses. In reality, we know that's not what you were doing, but it's an easy way to spin it to him where he can then go on a public forum and say to all the stoolies, nah, this guy was cheating. He was counting cards. We threw him out. That's not going to happen to you unless you cheat. But the reality is he's just got to be honest and say, listen, if you're winning, you're going to you're gonna get limited. And if you're losing, you can play more. And if every sports book did that, it'd be like a so much more transparent, better space. But uh, I guess at the end of the day, they're all businesses. So we're not going to get anything changing soon. No, I agree with you. There's really not much. It's I don't even know. Like that's the other thing. He doesn't understand. Like I, it's really they're just a name and a face and using the brand uh, to do. I don't even think they have absolutely nothing to do with sportsbook operations or any idea how it works. And I agree. I mean, I like I thought what Barstool a lot of you know content that they did during COVID and stuff was incredible that they were able to keep it going. But from the the sportsbook side of things, they're really stepping into this like 
oh, we're for the player, but by the way, uh, you've and, he, and like you said, he doesn't know what's going on, so he's just you know getting fed a couple of things. Most people, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people, don't understand what's going on. You know, outside of maybe you know a handful of you know like the gambling you know Twitter community or the sharp Twitter community, don't even know that like. DraftKings and Barstool are basically the same book with just different branding. So exact same. You know, all of this type of like, you know, stuff is just like fed talking points or a lack of like understanding that, uh, you know, when you get down to it, they're just, they're, like I said, the, the whole play both sides thing um, is, but again, what, what it's, it's, like I said with Rob, when, you know, when he was going after Philly Godfather years ago and we've talked about him, you're just yelling at, at some point, you know, I, I, like for this, I had a breaking point. I thought I would go at, you know, you can go after Barstool because nobody wants to do that stuff. But bottom line is I could rant about it and do a video on it every single day. Their sports book's still going to rake in a bunch of money and bring in losers and have a high hold percentage. And that just is what it is. You got to find ways around it. So, so here's what I want to touch on then. You mentioned earlier um, a different type of model. Obviously, the European model, for anyone who doesn't know, is basically kick out the winners and give the losers more betting limits so that you can increase your hold percentage or your total ROI for your business. But one thing I wanted to mention was you said somebody responded in one of the comments saying, if you knew how to book those sharp betters, uh, you would increase your hold percentage and you'd actually be able to use that to your favor. Personally... Uh, I just did the quick math in my head. Now, I, I believe this is going to be accurate. If not, I'll cut it out. But uh, Barstool held 19% one month this year as a total handle in, I believe it was Pennsylvania. Uh, they held 19%. Now, that's the rough equivalent, if I'm doing the math right, of booking straight bets at minus 160, minus 161. Now, that's, again, I'll cut this out if it's wrong, but I believe that's what it is. So how the hell are they going to increase a 19% hold percentage by using sharp action? The, the reality is at that level of profit, they're not. No, I, I agree. I mean, the only way you would set yourself up to even come close to that would be to be doing so much volume that even at a lower, if you were back at, you know, a normal you know, couple percent hold, but you were doing, you know, this is in a way kind of what, what Circa's trying to do. I don't know if they'll be able to accomplish it, but, you know, doing where you're doing, and if Barstool's doing, uh, you know, 10 million in handle per month, if you're doing 500 million uh, at a couple percent, then, you know, you could uh, maybe out earn them in a certain space. But as you said, I mean, at 19% whole, even cut that in half. I guess there's, there's not a lot of incentive. And on top of that, you have to have a lot more trading talent to even make those other, so you make a type of Chris model work or a circle model work. Um, it, it just it, it doesn't make business. I, I get it from a business sense standpoint. Hey, we boot out the winners. We use freaking, you know, Dave to brand to get a bunch of stools to bet with us. Now we're returning 20%. So I don't have a great business response of like what else you could. I mean, I mean, you're just not going to compete with that from a standpoint of like, why, why not? Why would they not do this when it's earning this kind of revenue? So uh, and again, that's where the kind of just back to the last thing is they're not going to change their model. You have to find ways. I have to find ways around it. You guys have to find ways around it. People that are going to, you know, get limited or get banned. The only way to do it is you got to adapt and find ways around it because they're not changing. Yeah, absolutely. Not with margins like that. I mean, I've, I've consulted for the biggest offshores in the world. If they had a month of like 8% hold, they were laughing. 
laughing it up. Like, what an amazing month. This is unreal. And we're talking 19%. Now, granted, I, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of Barstool players are playing parlays and that's contributing to their whole percentage um, because, I mean, th- that's what they're promoting, right? I mean, I think Big Cat has like some sort of parlay every single day that he's giving out, which people can tail or something along those lines. But that's where I think it's definitely challenging because um, guys like me and you, and there's others in the community that are constantly fighting the fight of, you know, let people bet. Well, look at it from the business perspective, right? Of how, how these sports books are just literally raking in money and what's the incentive for them to change, right? Um, th- there really isn't at this point. It's just kind of just trying to, to shut out all the noise and move on and just continue operating and, and, and powering forward. So um, unless the population somehow gets educated overnight, um, I, I just I just don't see this as something that's changing anytime soon. And I think, unfortunately, this grind of getting accounts, losing accounts, getting accounts, losing accounts, I think that's just going to pretty much continue forever. Yeah, I don't I don't see as you said, like what I don't I know, you know, Captain Jack and Rufy and that and have really tried to, you know, explore some other way. I know there's been talk of like, what if the exchange you know model becomes bigger? And I don't this it doesn't seem like there's a real appetite for that in this country. And I don't know. You know, obviously, I'm not, uh, you know, in the day to day in Canada, I know Canada will expand a little bit uh, into sports betting here in the, the, you know, the near future. But it, it seems like with a free play and a couple of odds boosters, and just booting out the winners, you're returning significantly, significantly. And it's way easier to do. You farm out your risk management and your odds to some third-party, you know, Euro company. You don't even need to make, uh, you know, your own odds. And you just do it as opposed to, like, having to really, you know, grind and make your own numbers and then hedge out a couple percent and try and, you know, get the exchange. People don't care about price in this country. That's what it is. No one cares People are like, oh, I can get minus 104. Now you walk down, walk into the, your office, you know, sports. I, I go to the office and talk sports betting. Someone's like, well, would you rather have minus 104 or a $100 free bet? People are like, oh, $100 free bet? Like, I'm the, I'm the, this is greatest. Like, I would have what, what, minus 104. Why would I care about that when I get a free 100 bucks? That's never going to change. There's too many. This, this is the, the yelling at clouds thing we use again about, like, uh, you know, should we, you know, when you're trying to fight the good fight of, like, against touts or against these scam books, there's too many stupid people. There are too many people who can't be saved. It's just the reality of like, again, I'll try and do some things here and there, but I, you know, I came to this realization years ago that you're never going to win this fight uh, against, you know, just general stupidity. So Joey, so good, good points. I think we live, we, us three, uh, you know, we have a home on gambling Twitter where we are encompassed in the space and we see kind of like what goes on, but in, in hindsight, like, Gambling Twitter is still a relatively small community compared to the total amount of betters there'll be in the United States, Canada, the world at some point. So like basic projections would have would have it as like one in every five American adults are going to be sports betters next year or in two years as sports betting, um, you know, legalizes and becomes more mainstream. So I'll agree with you. Everyone on gambling Twitter knows that books limit winners. Right. But. You, you mentioned like Captain Jack and Rufus. You know, Captain Jack, he's got a following, maybe 20,000 people. Rufus, maybe 50,000 people. How much engagement are they really getting? It's a couple thousand people. There's a lot of overlap between them. I don't think like... 
people at that level of call it fame or influence are going to make a huge difference because they already have made a difference on, on gambling Twitter. I think just as it becomes more mainstream, if the notion can be, Hey, if you win at sports betting, you're done. There's no way to actually win at sports betting. If that becomes a mainstream sentiment where the average guy at a bar knows that the average guy watching ESPN sports center and watching, you know, a football game on Monday night football knows that then I think things will have to start to change. But until then, like you mentioned, it's just like yelling at the clouds. Yeah. And I, I'd say we're, we're away. I, I don't know if that, you know, that, that when that transition, if it happens, uh, it, it still feels like a long, long ways away um, from that kind of being a, a normal general, like typical sentiment that, that your average person who bets uh, even has a clue about. And, and even then the vast majority are betting small amounts. It's recreational money anyways, for them, it's entertainment value. So even if they are losing and they realize that they're not going to win, they're probably still getting enough of a rush or, or enjoyment from the game that it doesn't even matter to them. So I don't know. I, I don't know that we'll ever get there. But okay, that's that's Twitter beef number one out of the way. Um, let, let's let's get into t- Twitter beef number two with our with our boy Spanky, who um, I don't. Spanky's also a very polarizing person. Like anytime he tweets, there's probably fifty percent of the comments that are like, "Oh, Spanky, you're the man," or whatever. And then there's like another fifty percent of the tweets that are like, "You're full of yourself. This is garbage. Whatever. You you know, you steam chaser. You're intellectual property theft. Whatever you want to um, to do." But there seems to be some sort of um, beef there between yourself and Spanky. I don't remember how it started, so fill us in on uh, how it did start. And then is there a legitimacy to it because obviously people who would see me and you interact, Joey, they would probably think that we hate each other, but it's all just a shtick in general. Um, but, but is, is it a shtick with Spanky or is that, is that real? I wouldn't say it's like, uh, you know, when me and you would, or Cheetah and that we're having good banter, like it's all for fun. It's for laughs and that I wouldn't put it on. Uh, it's definitely not that, uh, I wouldn't say it's like this beat where I have like a, uh, you know, a general like hatred or have any, I respect the whole, like the business that he's, but I don't have any real, real problem with like steam chasing or top or whatever we want to call it. it. It's, it's two faceted, right? It's one, the guy's like, he's like that, like, like uncle boomer in your family that like has all these fucking like takes that you like are just my, like, the whole like when he had the mask to like tweet of like walk by i told the lady to kill her. He's like what the fuck like, it's, 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 who, 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 it's just like these i i had to uh, i i just it's better if i just unfollow because his some of his tweets would make me want to be like jesus fucking like you like just blow my mind the other thing is it became a little so he knows the guy that i work with i, I think when he's it turned a little bit um when there was a few things about, uh, you know, competition, when you started looking at it more around uh, competition for accounts, then then the narrative changed. And, you know, he wants to do his buff his chest out thing. I'm the best. Even in our little, like, uh, when they did the, does anybody have any questions? He's got to inject himself and say, you know, he's uh, he's on top. And, that, and listen, don't get me wrong. I, I respect what he's done. I respect the fact that it got taken away and he rebuilt it. Uh, he obviously worked harder than that. The other facet is, and this is where, uh, you know, we'll hit the the next Twitter beef with one of his minions there that, that you guys have had on recently of like glorifying steam chasing to be like, 
that you're fucking Billy Walters or like, uh, you know, like you, you're, you've created the greatest, you know, like you're like abnormally distributed on steroids or something like, just call it what it is. Just see, I, I you know, the roof, the best bet, the pot, uh, bet the process I ever heard was the one with Shig, Saint, Shane Sixty, where he was just like straight up. Like, yeah, I like, yeah, I'm a steam chase. We've been able to skate. Like he just talked about it like a normal person, like a straight guy, like straight up guy, like just talked very, like you were having a normal conversation with him. Didn't it's like they, he's had to glorify it with all these, like this fancy terminology and like trade in that to where it's like, I want to make myself look like I'm the greatest sports better in history. Uh, like that the, it, when really, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but that, it, that there's something just very disingenuous there for me uh, that I find uh, quite annoying and, and it's hard for me to get past, which so I again, I don't really have a problem with the nature of that business and earning money that way. It's talking about it like, like the greatest sports better in history when really uh, it, it's, it's just, you know, chasing numbers on a, on a screen per se. So I think, yeah, you make, you make a couple of good points and uh, all fair. I'll try to play devil's advocate here and just defend the people who don't have a voice in the room. I think uh, Sigsby on bet the process did a good job of explaining what he did. I know for a fact that like Harut's operation, Spanky's operation are, are much more in depth than that. They're doing a lot more than just steam chasing. There's a lot of originator fills. There's a lot of moving, like you're mentioning for the small market stuff, maybe for bigger markets, higher volume, keeping stuff quiet, things like that. So um, agree at the end of the day, when you're saying uh, it's about being the best sports better, I think if you have a problem with that, that's a, a valid concern. I've always considered the industry as uh, some as a, a business or as a game, right? So at the end of the day, it's not really about picking winners. It, to me, at least, it's about making like the most money, right? So whoever makes the most money, I would consider it to be at the top. So if that's Spanky, then that's Spanky. If it's somebody else, it's somebody else. Just again, playing devil's advocate, but you make a lot of good points. But but to that, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Kanish. But to that point, like everybody has their own individual motivations as well, right? Like I am motivated by money. But I'm not going to grind 18 hours a day just so I can make as much money as humanly possible. Like I'm trying to balance my, my mental health and uh, being able to live my life with being able to earn. Um, and I'm not saying that Spanky is doing that. I'm not saying that Harut is doing that or, or whoever else. But I think that um, in terms of success, like there's that, that's measured at an individual level for one. And then honestly, I, I, I can't explain what it is about the gambling Twitter community. But uh, Joey, you work very closely with, with Juan Martinez, who is a guy that shows up at Sloan every year in Boston, along with Spanky last year. We sit in a cigar bar together, all basically getting COVID at the same time, enjoying life with one another. Rufus is there. Like everybody's friends. Everybody goes back home and we get behind the keyboard and it's just like, this guy fucking makes me sick. Like, and it's just like everyone, and I don't understand it with this community in general, but it's so weird. Um, and I, maybe it's not just gambling Twitter in general and it applies across everything, but like people can't just recognize others and say, you know, this guy's a winner. He's doing a good job. Like this guy's a winner. He's doing a good job. It becomes this competitive nature. And I really can't explain why that is, but I fall victim to it sometimes as well. Um, where I'm just like, this guy just completely triggers me and I got to say something to him because our ideologies aren't the same. And I don't know why that is, 
but um, Spanky to me is the, is the most polarizing of of the gambling Twitter guys because you can see it in every comment that he makes, and um, you know uh, he he tweets like once a month about I'd put up my team against any team on the planet, like I have the best team, and the responses to those are always hilarious, right? Like Chinese Mike is the, is the best and whatever, and it's like I get it, like you're showing support for your guys and whatever, but he's got to know what that's going to bring on as well. Maybe he doesn't care. Anyways, this is just a long rant about the, the, the community in general, but I, I, I truly find it to be like one of the most fascinating places. Yeah, no, it's because we're all competing you, for accounts. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. It's because we're all competing like for said, accounts. If you meet these people in like, in, you meet these people in person as you met some of these people, and it's like, there is a competition aspect, um, but like it, it, when you meet somebody, it's like you've, you've identified with people, this small, small niche of people in the world that, that understand, you know, sports betting from a holistic perspective, uh, which you end up like, I, I will say to be, good uh and to have success at sports betting there's going to be you know a large percentage of your life spent um i I don't want to say you know spent alone but spent um you know either connected online or it's going to take you know i've had to sacrifice a lot of even though i you know i may not be doing you know screen chasing for whatever 16 hours a day but you've got this sacrifice where you are spending a lot of time connected, uh, you know, to different, you know, social devices or connected to your computer. You're spending a lot of time alone. The only, you know, interaction you'll get for a lot of periods is like seeing Twitter or Telegram or a Slack chat. Um, and it leads to, I, I don't know if it's the, the the healthiest of of interaction. You know, I've had to, you know, change some things of like, I'm going to go out for some exercise for day. Because as you're saying, it, it builds this like sense of like, competitiveness um and just this general uh I, I don't know sense of uh whether it be admonishment or you know you know annoyance or thing when you see something that that triggers you way more than it should um maybe because that's that's like in you're in this little realm it, it bothers you way more than it should um and then when you see some of these people in person it's all like oh it's all good you're having good conversations uh but yeah when it's when it's on twitter or something then it's you know you it can seem like Oh, I, I I hate this guy more than anything. Uh, when it's really just like uh, I was annoyed at that time, and I wanted to tweet something back at it. Um, last thing about the the Twitter beef with Spanky, I, um, I know that what one of the ways that he tries to dunk on you pretty regularly is like comments like you know enjoy the day at the office tomorrow, um, type of stuff, right? And um, you don't you don't really strike me as a guy who gets offended by that at all. But um, I know that personally. When I was working at the score, um, I used to get similar comments from the betting community and, and that used to trigger me hard. Um, and then I've kind of, I've used that, I guess, on other people as well, just in general. But I, I want to know like what your reaction is to that, those types of comments. You know, I, I usually, yeah, like I said, it doesn't, I, I think, you know, it's good for some banter back and forth. The one thing that, that I, there's a couple of t- twofold here, right, is one that having a, you know, a job as I was trying to scale this, it basically allowed me to put a hundred percent of the return that I think of it as a, as a small business, right? Let's say you own a, a fucking subway or something. You can either own that subway and take the profits out of it and you're living off it. Or if you're able to take a hundred percent of the money you're making off that subway and then buy another subway and another subway or something like that. Whereas I was t- able to take, because I had, 
you know, I had my own insurance. I had a 401k. I had, you know, a stable income that could take care of any expenses I had to be able to take all the money I was making from sports betting and then reinvest that into more accounts, more risk, betting bigger limits, um, and scale it much faster than I would have if I was having to take out, you know, living expenses off of that. So it was able to take money I was making from sports betting, basically pay off any debt I had, and then all of the profits just return. You know, I, I'm not a materialistic person or any of that. I, the the jo- having the job and that income and security in the background has allowed me to get, you know, where in a year or two, uh, which would have taken me probably five or 10. Um, so that's why, like, it doesn't bother me because I've had all this. Security. The other thing is, who knows, like, you know, the market's getting more efficient every mm-hmm. week, every month, every year. Um, you, you, we can talk about uh, one of the PPHs that, that basically booted us last year. Uh, that was one of our better skins, one of our most profitable skins that took a hard line stance. And we basically lost all of those counts overnight. Like there are things that can happen in sports betting that you don't know in three months or six months or five years if it's still going to be there, you know, I don't think as I'll use the example, like the credit, the PPH business, any legal state where there's been uh, a legalized sports betting, you're going to see the credit and the local and the PPH business take a hit, whether it be 10%, 25%, 50%. And I don't know where that's going to be in five or 10 years. You know, the, who knows what, you know, the credit side of things is going to look like in five years. So I'm not going to put all my eggs into that basket because that basket might not be there in five years. So as long as I'm able to do, you know, and maintain it, I'll say the one thing it's cost me, um, you know, probably a lot of my, uh, you know, corporate career aspirations. I know Rob, you made that, that joke and you, you know, you've probably dealt with it as well. Kind of choosing to go down the, the sport is, you know, in my, my mid twenties, I was kind of trying to go down a path of moving up the corporate ladder um, you know, though, those things have kind of subsided to where I've, you know, kind of just fell into this individual contributor role. Um, and I'm not going to move up the, you know, I'm never going to be, you know, director, CEO or any of those type of things that, that maybe, you know, 10 years ago, I thought I would granted that sacrifice has been great because it's helped me, you know, scale a much more profitable, uh, side of things, you know, being in the, the moving in the sports betting, but there has been some sacrifices so but that's a long-winded answer of saying I'm fine with it. I think it's very, very hard to establish yourself um, just from the ground up if you don't have any of that, you know, like I, even from my own original bankroll, I was using like money I was making from a full-time job to when I first, first started betting to get into that to now um, it, it's helped me scale things much more exponentially than I would have without it. So I get it. Great. He's been able to do it without a job or, you know, as he has this, you know, whatever, whatever that wants to make him feel good. It's helped me tremendously having that security. Uh, and even from an anxiety perspective, like, Oh, we had a, you know, a losing week or something. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm fine. I'm fully capitalized. I've been able to save all the profits. I've been able to make a bunch of return um, as opposed to like, uh, you know, sweating that, that, you know, is next month or how much are we going to lose? Is that going to cost my quality of life or any of that? Yeah, good points there. I think uh, one thing that Spanky doesn't mention, which um, he has said publicly before, is when he started sports betting, he did it at a full-time job. I I forget where he worked. I think it was at a bank or somewhere in New York. 
Um, but so he worked a full-time job as well. And then obviously built up the bankroll fast enough for it to the point where he was, he was able to quit. So a similar thing. And I don't think that's any shade on you. Uh, question for you then is, is do you ever plan to quit that, that full-time job, um, uh, f- to pursue sports betting full-time, not saying that you're not, uh, doing the equivalent of a full-time job now with the sports betting, but is it ever going to be a hundred percent focus? I, I basically said it for myself. Whereas if I ever, hated the job enough uh to where i you know like right you know since COVID happened you know like i've been working from home like it, it, don't get me wrong like it's the the corporate world if you've got you know like i'm an analyst it really a lot you know i've got to be able to basically sit in my you know either on my couch or my desk and have a couple of screens up in that um if it ever became something uh where you know i hated what i'm doing or who i'm working for uh, then i would seriously consider uh you know having the freedom now to be able to leave it um but right now it's just not in that position. I, I'm just trying to basically save up as much right now and, and return as much right now to make it where I, I can, you know, in, in three or five years have, have the ability to, to kind of do whatever I want. You know, to be able to, uh, to walk away or go, you know, live, you know, on an Island or something and cheap for, for, you know, the rest of my life. Just it, it, the only thing for me it's been about is, is freedom to not have to be, uh, you know, chained to, to something that I really hated for, for life. And it's given me some of that, that freedom to make those decisions uh, a lot, lot earlier than I would have. So maybe at some point, um, but uh, if, as far as the near future, um, you know, something would have to substantially change as far as my uh, actual work life that I didn't enjoy uh, to walk away from it. Wow. We're getting into some, some real life talks now. I think you're right for anyone who is, li- for everyone who's listening. Um, one thing Joey said that is very important, I think is like, basically achieving financial freedom is awesome. But at the end of the day, like you need to first lay the foundation. Um, if you're gambling and getting in over your head, things like that, like you need to remember, like first comes, you know, having your place to live, having your food, having some savings, things like that. And then once you've built up that foundation, uh, then trying to go big is a lot easier. Um, and, and I mean, I guess that's it really, but, uh, gambling's a, a very poor spiral downward spiral for a lot of people who try to take it you know, to the moon and don't really realize the risk. So having a job at the end of the day is, uh, it's not for everybody. It's for a lot of people, but again, like, I guess what you're saying, like it's personal preference and that's just the end of the day. That's how I guess we'll leave it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very logical just in general. Um, seems like you have a long-term plan, which is always great. And it's something that I think a lot of people, um, who, who might get involved in this space don't necessarily have that. And they just kind of live the day to day and just hope it goes upwards, but there's a lot of bumps al- along the way. And um, I've personally been very open about the fact that um, I don't like sports betting in general. It's something that I'm good at. Most of it's automated now and I don't spend a ton of my day to day on it. And if I don't have something else going on, then I feel like I'm going stir crazy. Um, and that's just a reality of my situation. I think everybody's situation is different uh, I think as long as you approach it logically um, and it works for you, I mean, that's all that really matters. So um, I, I can definitely say I used to be someone who would dunk on people on Twitter. Like I'd get one of those comments of like, oh, you said this was going to happen and it didn't. And I would be like, well, guess what? You know, I'm betting for a living tomorrow and you're going to go back to your your job. And I honestly, like in hindsight, it's it's a pretty shitty thing to say, but it's like, it's the way that you could own someone who says that to you. It's like, well... You know, I'm making money off my opinions and you're not type of thing. Um, uh, I'm going to probably stop doing that going forwards now that I've had some so- sort of personal reflection. 
some positive uh, Rob. Positive Rob is making a comeback. Positive yeah. Rob was dead. Positive Rob's done. <laughs> positive Rob. He was a one-week thing. He, Rob's tried to bring him back so many times. He's dead. I get rattled way too easily, man. I, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't avoid the drama. It's definitely negative, Rob, for life. There's no way around it. Yeah. And by the way, at the end of the day, the the argument people make about having a full time job and then you know being a professional better, I guess, or being trying to be a full time better is like, if you were making enough sports betting with no risk, that you know, like, why would you have a full time job that paid a certain amount? But to, to Joey's point here is like, sometimes it's about more than just like earning as much money as possible. Like there's risk aspects, there's like different needs and different um, motivations that different people have. So uh, re- respect to that. And I, I hope to see you one day making the push full time uh, and, you know, dust that uh, corporate job, but we'll see how it goes. We're going to have to what? get, we're going to have to, you know, maybe Metallica will have to put back some, some <laughs> yeah. who knows? What, what, yeah, we'll make what, a call and see if we can, yeah, let's see if we can get it. <laughs> in there I, I mean joey's got a dog now so he's got like an extra um, extra mouth to feed and obviously he can't he can't afford bags either because he's letting his dog go around the neighborhood just shitting all over the place like okay this is one of the the weirdest takes i've ever seen from someone like i i have to say that i read i had to do like a triple take reading that tweet about how you just basically like let the dog shit all over the neighborhood and then you know if it's there when you you walk back later on maybe you're gonna pick it up type of thing like this I, I don't this was quite polarizing because uh, <laughs> a lot yeah a lot of people like you can usually say thing anything and get like some people like on your side here and there I think it was like ninety nine point nine percent of people being like what the fuck is wrong with you um I, I don't here's the process the dog usually I take her I walks a lot. We take her right outside. Usually it's on the front of my lawn, but sometimes it's within a couple of houses either way. I don't, and this, you may call him, someone was like, you're a fucking sociopath. Like, maybe that's not that. I don't want to walk around with this bag of dogs because we usually go for long walks, right? You know, at least half hour, an hour. So I like, usually it's close enough where I can circle back and I got like the, the, the scooper thing I bought off Amazon and go back. There are times though, where like, if it's, we're walking, you know, we usually walk late sometimes like 11, 12 PM. It's pitch black. Uh, and I'm walking around and it's, it's not close to the house. I, I just got to tell you, like it's it, it just getting left there. And maybe that can make me uh you know, a, a shitty person, but uh, part of the pun, but I'm not someone that like gets triggered. Like when a dog goes on my lawn, maybe my love of dogs, like if a dog goes on my lawn, I'm not like the motherfucker, like, you know, walking out of the house. Like uh, I did have an old person recently as it was happening during the day, uh, walk out and be like, it wasn't the happiest and scream. Like, are are you picking that up type of thing? So we have had some controversy. Uh, We have migrated to, usually bringing a bag with just in case um in case there's some you know i don't want to be that guy in the neighborhood uh you know if we're going walking during daylight hours so 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 like is it is it the actual like the what you feel people are going to perceive of you walking with a bag of dog shit in your hand like they're going to look at you like you're some sort of peasant or is it like is it like a a smell thing like i i like i'm a dog owner i've been a dog owner pretty much my whole life like rule number one on the walks is make sure you have more than enough bags. 
Like if if I know my dog is going to take like prop, I have my dog's going to take like at least two shits on the walk. I don't know why he's going to do it every time. I got like four bags with me, but I also plan the route so that I'm going by garbage cans along the way. Like I'm going to pass by this park because I know that there's a garbage there. So like I'm, I'm thinking about it so I don't have to carry the poop for the whole walk, but I mean, this is obviously stuff that you're not accounting for. No, no. I, so there's some like OCD, like clean freak type of thing where I like, I don't really want to pick up dog shit, like with a, a bag in my hand type of thing. Um, so we've inverted now uh, to where there was some strategy now put there's like on the way to get coffee. I always take the dog with um, we stop by. There's like a little park on the way. Um, so now instead of going on somebody's lawn, we're kind of like, in an open general park where I can feel much better about like the dog shitting in, uh, you know, like usually usually kind of a back area by the dumpsters in the park where like, it'll just go there. And I can feel, you know, morally I'm feeling much better now about like it shitting, you know, in this like random park and kind of as opposed to somebody's lawn. So we've made some, uh, we've made some adjustments to the, to the schedule. Um, I'm not sure they're as, you know, 100% socially acceptable, but that's, uh, that, that's so it seems like, it seems like Rob's originating his dog's route and then, and then Joey can just take more of a top down approach, you know, making adjustments along the way. Well, um, I mean, <laughs> Kanish is basically saying at this point, like, okay, you know, my dog's not going on the lawn, but he's going to go in the park and some kids are going to step in it. And that's going to be, it's perfectly fine because it's not on someone's lawn anymore. All right. There is okay. An so- element of like, maybe this is just like being a, I, I don't know. I try and like have empathy in a lot of cases, there is a, I just will like bold face admit an element of like not really giving a shit. Like, and, 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 like that's I, what I was I trying to get to. Basically. Admit that. Like, yeah, okay. I just have to admit that. Like <laughs> it, it, like it doesn't, wouldn't bother me that much. So I'm like having trouble empathizing for someone if like, you know, like my adorable 25 pound golden doodle, like shit on your lawn. Like if that's the worst thing that happened to you today. Like, come on now. Come on. Little, little, she'll run up to you. She'll let you pet you. You'll feel better about it. Okay, uh, so we got we got a, f- a couple Twitter questions uh, from yesterday that we can get into. We answered a bunch of them already in uh, in this interview, but I got I guess three more quick ones for you. Number one, did you bet on yourself in the push up contest? Uh, I did bet on like like when Bet Online offered it. I did bet on myself in the put. I will say there was a time in the in the younger years of Joey Kanish uh, where I think I could have hit this number. Um, one of those COVID happened. I was like, I'm getting back into shape, baby. We're back. Probably bit off a lot more than I could chew early on in that process. Um, I didn't really have like a tester. Dave, Dave made this is the backstory here. Is like we were talking about it with Dave, and he's like, All right, I'm gonna go do 15 minutes, see how many I could do, then I'll get you an over-under. He comes back with 243 and a half in retrospect. One, no fucking way did Mason do 200. <laughs> I've met Dave Mason. Is he I got to like, tell you, I don't think like he's a, ripping that out. No. Is he like a CrossFit guy? Is I, he like, I, I've they, never met, I know you've met Dave. I haven't met, I've talked to him a lot, but we've never met him, but he was like 244. So I don't know. And then, I mean, I knew I was in trouble early on in that process, but yes, I did lose some money on that. Um, and it was, uh, I don't know. It was something to do during COVID and, you know, gave some people some good entertainment for a quick thing. But uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was quite an L. Dave Mason is, is eating rice and beans every day for lunch. 
and he's parking his ass at the local bar watching whatever UFC is and he's pounding beers every single night. Like I'm definitely, I, I'm not saying David, like he's actually in decent shape, I would say, but like, I don't think he's, he's pounding out 250 pushups right. in 250 in 15 minutes is like way more than decent shape. Like you, you've got to be like really go. I mean, it hit me about three minutes in when I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm in a lot of trouble here. <laughs> So a good buddy of mine who's actually a personal trainer, right after this contest, uh, I, I called him up, uh, me and my partner Julian, we called him up and just said, hey, like, can you do this? This guy just did, like, he couldn't, this guy on Twitter couldn't do it. Can you do it? And we FaceTimed him and uh, he tried to rip him off and he actually fell like just shy. He was like, ran out of time and then finished it like 20 seconds after the And that's a guy that's it. like, do personal training for <laughs> Exactly. <living. laughs> and, then, and then in hindsight, we're like, this is the worst bet I couldn't, we're like, well, I couldn't believe this bet. People are like Floyd Mayweather, biggest edge of the, of, of the lifetime. Joey Kanish on the under, 249 and a half opener. This, there was never an easier bet. Anyways, the, the, okay, con- second the context, question. sorry, sorry, John, the, the context is hilarious though, because like the a day or two before we watched Bales just absolutely rip, like it was a 2,400 pushups in like 12 hours. Like, and I bet, I bet on Bales. I won like 5K on Bales and maybe even more than that. And, like this guy is just an absolute machine. And then you come in a couple days later, you're like, I'm doing 150 pushups. And I'm just like, how do I get the under? Like everywhere that I can, I actually made like a couple dimes on you under in that situation. But I was getting really panicked because of your form right away. I'm like, no, this is bullshit. Like that's all I kept thinking in my head. These are bullshit pushups. This can't happen. But about two minutes in, I could tell that you just like, you hit this wall where you're like, like this guy is, and I, and then at, at that point I was just taking screenshots and, and saving them to like a, a Kanish folder to eventually use at some point at a, at another time. Since then with some of the strategy that I still couldn't hit, like, I mean, this is like legitimately like a year later, uh, we're like working out regularly and like trying to go back and see, I, I still would never hit 250 in 15 minutes like that was an absolutely insane number to to try and go after there uh that i probably should have tried beforehand um and then it's been like whoa this is way more than i could do like we need to revamp the number but it all happened kind of so fast and i was in kind of a yolo mode and then i couldn't really back out at the end it was just like all right you got to go for it Okay, second question here. Uh, you 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 are a small market specialist, as uh, as you spoke about earlier. No smaller market than uh, Joey Chestnut and the hot dog eating contest. It's coming up in about a month. Uh, we got a question here on Twitter. How much is a half a hot dog worth? So it depends. I know this is like we we've talked about our guy Chris Kelly in that uh, of like a. It, it, there's a lot of different factors at play. Because and you know what, a lot of the edge on the fucking hot dog contest is because it, it, no, it, it's been like the Joey Chestnut show. It was great. This is one of those things like years and years ago, like five years ago, where you could really rake it up on the hot dog contest. The issue now is, is like Chestnut's number has kind of been pretty established. He does around, you know, within a few dogs every year. Um, he's the only guy. The Carmen Sincati was the guy who was really trying to make a challenge at him. He decided to retire and nobody, you know, the Kobayashi, you know, fell out. He had the whole drama, which is a phenomenal story. If you ever look at the, you know, the Kobayashi drama with Major League Eden, like incredible, incredible story, background of how that all fell apart. But there's just no, a lot of the hot dog contest edge has kind of gone away. A lot of the liquidity has been kind of, you know, gone away. So 
the dog price depends on, on some of the total, like some of these guys are, you know, they're like some of the guys will be, have a total of like 25 and a half, whereas chestnuts at 70, you know, like 74 and a half. So the price is going to change a lot depending on which guy you're betting on. Um, but, but the golden era of the hot dog contest betting days is, is, is probably over with um, at least until you can get more, uh, you know, like reasonable competitors in here. Like now it's like, you know, no one comes within like 25 dogs of them. So um, yeah, I would love, uh, I would love a, you know, a Kobayashi. I've always, you know, dreamed of a, a Kobayashi return and, uh, you know, some of the great battles they used to have, but um, it, it's just been now like, you know, he's like minus 5,000 every year. Like nobody even, you know, it's, I, I'm hoping for some, some variation in the hot dog. Cause it's, you know, it's been like golden state warriors here for years now. Eventually you just get, you get tired of seeing it. Maybe they need to change the, the venues or something to spice it up a little bit. Like put it in a really cold location where you can, you can be handicap the cold or something, right? Is something, something's got to turn. You're like, go where I, I, I tell you, this is a great, like if you follow major league eating too, like this is a, a great, I know Chris before you, but, Chris Kelly, our guy here, uh, you know, he, he got a new job, uh, you know, that that's been a little bit more demanding. Uh, but before that, he would he was in the DMs talking to some, uh, you know, the people on the circuit. Uh, he This has been one that you, you like. It's so great because it's like impossible to find info on. So when you have it, like the info's real, real good. Uh, and you really got to dig for it. So. There's been some fantastic uh, major league eating edges over the years, but it, it, it's tough because you know, a lot and a lot of people like it's not a great you don't really you don't win a lot of money on these contests. <laughs> like you've got to be in your house like buying like seventy dogs and then like throwing them all. Like you're kind of it's also like pretty bad for your general health of like uh, oh, of you course. know like, yeah like eating seventy hot dogs and then like sticking your finger like being it's like kind of being semi-bulimic and a lot of like acid refill. So there's a lot of things about the hot dog contest that aren't, uh, you know, great in general, but it's been a, it's been a nice edge for a lot of years. Just unfortunate to see uh, the current state doesn't lead itself to, to being able to make a lot of money. All right. And we got the third question here. I think we'll, we'll end with this one is, uh, is Ben the better an elite marketing genius? This has been the fuck. I, you know, right, this here is we like go. Here the, we go. The fuck it, this is when Robin. This is like the only like where we've been like staunchly on the opposite side of things of like, and this when when you know I and again people enjoyed the hell out of the 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 the, the tortoise contest and that I know that that did numbers and was real popular. I can't fucking stand the guy. Like just in ju- <laughs> it's not that I can't stand that he's. It's like I can't stand that he's gained this like. But, and then Rob has helped out with him gaining this traction and this family selling the stupid fucking Patreon. I don't know. I've gone around in my head like a hundred times of whether the guy like actually has the strategy or whether he's just a complete like rube that, that, you know, is like, uh, I, I just the fact that he's gained as much traction as he has, uh, it, it just bothers me. I don't know why it bothers me but it bothers me. I know people enjoy it. I know the stupid, you know, the, the contest things have been popular. So don't get me wrong. People enjoy it. It's great. But the, it is the one people, I remember one guy was like, Kanish, why aren't you giving it? Or like, why aren't you injecting? Or why aren't you? I was like, cause I don't want to be part of like giving Ben any more attention than, than he's already getting. But uh, it seems I've lost that battle. Cause you know, he's the, the, the fade Ben are, you know, he's been a big thing. I don't know. It, it just, he bothers me as, as a, as a, just a person in general.
I get it. I totally get being bothered by someone. Uh, the thing with Ben is that as much as he's a terrible better, and I know that he's selling his Patreon or whatever, he is at least fully transparent. Like he does his daily recap, no matter how, like he just posted a monthly recap where he hit like 30% over the course of a month. Like you just unit a month him, if you fade him. Met him in real life? Month. Does he like live by you guys? No. So here's, here's a story I'll tell about Ben in general. Um, years ago, maybe four years ago, I was consulting for an offshore sports book, multiple offshore sports books at that time. But Ben posted a ticket to his Twitter that still had the bet number, the ticket number on it. So I was able to quickly look up the ticket number and figure out that this was a real person. And he was betting what he was tweeting, without a doubt. And he would eventually degenerate all the way on like overnight live tennis. Like th th this guy is real. I don't, I'm not going to divulge any information. It's a conflict of interest. I would never do that. But this is a real person betting what they're posting. And that's all I'll say. So I've never met him. I, I, I just know that wh whoever posted to that Twitter account was actually betting into an offshore account with the same stuff. And, and I'll leave it at that. Tweeting back and forth with uh, Megan making money like not okay. that long ago. See, now uh, that's what scares me a little bit. Like that's where someone, I'm pumping the brakes on Ben, right? <laughs> someone brought up the the Hannah uh, back, oh, like the girlfriend. And it was like, you're not a real gambling Twitter OG unless you know that the Hannah backstory. Uh, I got a good got a good laugh out of that one. So yeah, there's there was some weird, real weird things with, with his past, but... As you said, uh, he's obviously a, a real person that that has you know actually bet this stuff. So uh, I guess some points there, but yeah, I, it's just it's a weird situation. I I am backing off of Ben in general just because of he has some very creepy comments towards women that like I just don't support. Honestly, I, I'm not just saying that like it, it it come across as as really bad. So like. I am distancing myself from Ben for those reasons, which I was not aware of beforehand. Like I didn't know about the Megan making money stuff and like some of the DMs that he sent to other women. So I'm, I'm going to distance myself there, but I, I don't think he's a marketing genius. I just think this is a real person. And, and like the, the, the conspiracy theories of like, this is a sharp better who's just posting the opposite of what they like. Like that's, that's just the most bogus thing I've ever heard. My personal favorite conspiracy is that Ben is actually a burner account of Rob Pozzola. Oh man. I, I, these ones are the ones that really get me. These ones are the ones that really get me. All I'm saying is I've never seen Ben and Rob in the same room together. Same, that's all, same, all I'm saying. Same. And I can't divulge it. I can't divulge his information either. So, I mean, we're not going to clear that up today. Uh, I wanted to ask you one more thing, uh, Kanish, just really quickly, because I, I never got the story, but Obviously, your your Twitter name, Joey Kanish, and Joey Kanish twenty two on Twitter. It's an alias. Obviously, I know your real name. I'm not sharing it, but I was a huge Rounders fan growing up. I watched that movie like maybe more than any movie in my entire life. I played so much poker. I loved it. What made you choose of all characters, Joey Kanish? I mean, you know, I, I mean, you've seen. I, I know uh, one of our mutual friends that had a. Uh, a five dimes burner account for me <laughs> shared uh, some of my betting history with uh, some of the stuff we were betting there uh, with you. So the whole like grind aspect of edging, like the thing about rounder is like what other movie, like can you watch and you're just like 
fuck it, I need to gamble or like I need to go play poker or something. Or like it just gets you so like the juices flowing, like no other movie. Like you usually watch a movie and you're like, oh, that was pretty good. Or like it gets you like into this mode of like, I'm gonna go for like I gotta I gotta go like line shop and find it at your bet or something. Or like I, I wanna go, like I'm gonna go to an online poker room and grind some like 25 50 cent pot limited like pizza it just has an emotional attachment to me uh like not only the character but the movie itself of like just just what it like the emotion it brings out of you um in terms of like what and what a fantastic the actors they have in it the plot line like it's just such a it's before a lot of the guys were real big too like like so you know, just like the classic, like vintage freaking Damon um, and guy, like I just fantastic, fantastic I, movie uh, that that like I, I will always have like this emotional attachment to in my heart. I still watch it. So when I, whenever I'm like down, like, you know, to get like a quick pick me up after like a bad week or something, I'm like, I'll watch a few minutes of rounders and be like, all right, I'm back. Let's go. I, I just find it so weird because Joey Kanish in rounders is like. He's like the the guy with the wisdom, you know, he's like standing on the rails, like he's kind of seeing the angles and he's like very calm and calculated. And he keeps to himself, whereas like you strike me more as like a worm type of guy, Edward Norton, right? Just like the absolute DJ and he's looking for some sort of scheme, um, which I mean, it's I just find it funny that that's the character. In general, but you know, it's funny. I wanted to say, like the, the, you know how like you you had said like uh, you have like this. People have talked about like I know Rufus has talked about uh, like finding edges in markets as something like a passion and a hobby, or like abnormally you know was on and talked about uh, you know like so basically solving equation. That there is something inherently like that drive of like finding the next scam. Like, it's not like I really enjoy <laughs> betting, like, like that Doug Kazarian thing. Uh, there's, I'll tell a story uh, about like my big, you know, at some point remind me of this in the future uh, when I know it's dead, dead uh, about, there was a, a six figure score on some correlated stuff uh, that I'll have to remind you once I know for sure it like can't be hit on anymore. Um, but like finding, you know, like, stuff we've done in markets of like um you know like blasting a certain sport line uh when it opens up at a small book and it, and it'd be off like 20 points and then it gets copied by a bunch of other books you get down as well. like the scam aspect of it is what i truly 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 live for so there's that element of rounders of like yeah when you said worm but that that whole like edge of of like i just love the fact when you can like it feels like you're robbing a bank, but like legally, like the whole aspect of like being, you know, infatuated with like crime movies and stuff like that. It feels like you're committing a crime, but like that nothing can do any, like nobody can do anything about it. So that's kind of the the drive there aspect that that like some of that movie has it tied into. I completely get it. Um, I appreciate your love for rounders in general, just because I, I absolutely love rounders as well. I will say there is one other gambling movie that really like really will make you want to gamble. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's more of like an underground one, but I remember Adam Chernoff used to talk about it all the time as well. It's called Owning Mahoney. Um, it's with Philip Seymour Hoffman as the main character where he is a, a banker in Toronto that is literally just taking out loans to gamble in Atlantic City. It is a fantastic movie. And like, and he, it, it's just so good. Owning Mahoney. Uh, it's got to be probably like mid nineties, but what a movie highly, highly recommend for anyone else. And and if you ever, if you ever have that itch 
to gamble. I'm not suggesting that you go gamble your net worth away like he does in this movie. But if you ever have the itch and you need something to get you going, it's a really good watch. You want to touch on the uh, the checked question uh, and the Harut, uh, the Harut sure. deal real quick? Sure, let's do it. I mean, we had Harut on a, um, a few weeks back as well. I don't know much about Harut. Johnny's worked with him in, in some capacity in the in the past. But um, what struck me is that uh, I saw you guys beefing on Twitter a little bit. And that one kind of really came out of nowhere for me, at least from my perspective. I don't think I, I hadn't personally noticed if there was any background um, so was like that something that was brewing for a while or like how did that come about? Yeah, that that was one that was out of out of I've never interacted with him personally. Like I knew of him, uh, but we had never had any per- personal interaction. I don't mind, you know, usually some banter back. I, the reason I was so triggered is because the topic uh, and this is something that Rob, you know, Rob, we've talked about in the past of like people that post content but don't actually bet it like that. There's nothing like more triggering to me. Uh, and, and there's some uh, God. There's some. If we really would go into the name, some purple I mean, name names, the names, Joey name names man. You know, listen, I like the guy. I like the guy. I think he does. But like uh, the uh, Matt, I think that goes by Matt the Oracle on there when he was doing the NFL draft stuff mm-hmm. and he's posting out like minus five thousand not to go in the first round, like ten units and that stuff, and just like tweeting out arbs and stuff that you know like that. Uh, there's something very, very triggering to me about people that you know for a fact are tweeting out either picks or stuff, and they're not actually betting it. So when he like came at and said that, like you're like, like, listen, if you're gonna chirp me, I'm fine with a little chirp back and forth, but not with that subject. Like, not accusing me of not actually betting because anything, anything, any, you go back. Five years, I'll show you a ticket. I've now tweeted out, you know, a thousand tickets or or screenshots of stuff I've posted. Like the whole like not betting what you're actually tweeting is just a real like trigger aspect for me because I see a lot of people that do it, um, especially a lot of people that slang content for a living. Uh, and, and there's nothing that I don't care if you're betting ten dollars on it, but if you're not actually betting it and it's quite obvious you're not doing it. It, it's just a scum move like to the core. And so that it bothered me heavily of being accused of that. I, I get that. I mean, he basically like accused you of not doing something that is like essential to your being as, as a human. So um, I completely get that. I mean, I, I that, think the that... argument was more, Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, Rob. I apologize. Uh, I think the argument was more like um, get like getting accounts and then, and then not betting into those accounts yourself from what I understood basically from the comments back and forth, but we don't need to get into that stuff like on the pod. Um, again, not that I'm trying to defend anyone, just trying to move the convo. Like I, I don't think you, Joey are like a, a media guy in comparison. Like I knew it pretty much exactly the type of people you were talking about when you tweeted that it's like, you know, stuff we talked about with Doug, I guess, earlier in the week, people giving out picks on broadcasts or things like that, or tweeting out articles, like, whatever we don't even need to name names but like guys who are like whatever matt zybert or something we're giving out picks canceling a half season this season doesn't count whatever and then saying like oh this is on action network posted and verified like those those kind of things i get it um so i I don't think like he was accusing you or at least not how i understood it uh of like not actually betting because we know that you bet it was more i guess just like the 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 scale or I, I don't know what it was yeah no and that's why and you know rob mentioned the guy we work with her like that, that he 
helped me, um, you know, get to a point where it, it would have never had, we met on a networking trip. He likes to keep low profile. Um, but we, we've been able to, to kind of help each other. Like, like you say, it's all about, you know, network sports betting is so much networking in terms of what you can get down in that. Um, so a lot of my accounts are shared uh, with another party, a uh, guy that, you know, we can refer to each other as partners now. Um, but there's still some, like, you're still bringing, uh, you know, so like I'm still originating my own draft props. I'm still putting stuff into the account. I'm still bringing, you know, some of the people I've met along to the table that, that kind of helped add to the organization. So, um, it, it, listen, I know that, uh, that that's a common uh, retort there. Um, but listen, it, I, I, yeah, I don't really have a, a problem with the guy or how they, you know, how they go about their business and, and making money. It was just, uh, it was more so the, like the, the touch point triggering of, of the actual topic itself. All right. Uh, one last one here, Kanish. And this was um, from Twitter as well. Um, you complained about Metallica ton. Why? There are things that can still be beat. I've seen this. Can you not beat the stuff that isn't minus 167? Can you only beat the really soft PPH accounts? Here's the, the, the whole, and this is what we touched on earlier about, like, you never know when, when the gravy train's going to run out or when the faucet's going to turn out overnight last year. And we had a lot of metallic accounts. It was one of the highest ROI uh, accounts we had. It was one of the most volume accounts we had overnight. They took, uh, basically said, fuck you. Uh, and, and like your accounts are done juice the shit out of like anything, any prop wise, any of that um, outside of like, the major markets that they really don't pull. They're not one that like post overnights or any of that stuff. So like it, it was basically like, all right, if you want to bet like game day NBA sides or any of that shit, then, then you were in it. Um, they then sent messages to, to a lot of like clients and stuff. Like you're, you're, you're with the sharp group and that you should like let this person. So basically overnight, we had gotten totally uh, like erased from metallic tried to, to rebuild and they've, they've kept on it. Like they have, and they didn't, they wasn't just us. It was other people. Uh, I know that, that were beating them in a certain way. They said basically anybody that's beating them. Um, and they're what they one of the largest like PPH uh, credit shops out there in terms of uh, you know, where their networking is. And so like, boom, it, it, it was gone. We, we did try and then bet, uh, some sides and stuff in a different sport uh, this spring. Um, I'll just say it was FCS football uh, and we got one week and the next week, guess what? FCS sides were all minus 167 each way. So it's just, it it got taken away. Uh, It's frustrating. I don't, I I get, I guess I get it from uh, I, the bottom line, I've heard the guy who runs the back end is, you know, kind of a, he's like a little bit of like the, the PPH version of five dimes, Tony, um, <laughs> where he said, he just wanted to say, fuck you. Like I'm not getting beat by these guys anymore, even though it affects nothing on his bottom line, he gets paid per head fees. He doesn't right. care about the risk, any of that. So um, I, I just think he was, was tired of it and has made a point of like, uh, he's not going to get beat anymore. So uh, yeah, that, that again, I, you and the whole like soft PPA, I mean, they have every other PPH skin. So like, yeah, yes, obviously some of the softer ones are better, but now metallic, like if, if you're telling me I can only bet like game day sides at, at like regular juice on uh, NBA or NHL. Yeah. Good luck with that. Let me, let me know how many people are making a ton of money betting that, uh, you know, trying to beat straight up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it obviously sucks, but I, I can say, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. And I think um, you probably would have lost your eyesight by the age of 50 had you had to keep logging in on Metallic 
Whereas, uh, whereas now your eyes will be good forever because that how ha- that was quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, that it was. They, they've they've definitely <laughs> taken a number of risk management tactics to uh, to to kind of get rid of, it. and then they just said, "All right, we're just going to juice the shit out of everything." So. Yeah, it's sad because that they actually did. I'll give them respect. They were one of the few PPHs that would uh, they like would originate their own lines, like legitimate, like it, not for like uh, you know major sports, but like they'd put up their own draft props with their own lines. They'd like put up lines for you know different type of offerings uh, and like special stuff that, that like they would legitimate like from their offense. Nobody else had them. Um, so that was that was kind of unique to a lot of the, the PPH stuff, but. Um, as you said earlier with some other stuff, you just got to adapt. Like it is what it is. Um, and you got to just find ways around it. Nobody likes losing money. That's the reality of it. doesn't matter any industry, any type, anything. Um, okay. So our final question that we, uh, we asked to a lot of people, or I guess every guest we've had so far is um, if you could go back uh, five years and tell that version uh, of yourself, some piece of advice, something, whatever it might be, what, what would it be? I would say take more risk when you have an edge uh, and to maximize it as much as possible. I'd say the number one thing in sports, but a lot of people can find small edges, um, but they don't know how to maximize it. Um, and whether it be, I mentioned it on Twitter before of like people like, Oh, my DraftKings account got limited to like whatever, $23, uh, but I'm still going to bet into it. And so now I'm betting like this, like, crazy draft instead of like finding a way to get down as much as i can on this draft like doug kazarian did with that draft prop for a three hundred thousand dollar score they're betting it for like 1672 and making like you know three hundred dollars instead of three hundred thousand dollars find ways to maximize the edges that you find uh and go be comfortable with the risk i think capitalism in itself like rewards risk uh i i wish i would have been you know you know more risk tolerant in my early uh, into mid-20s um because now when I find an edge, it's all steams go as much as possible on it. Uh, in the end, you'll make money. In the end, you'll make more money. Even if it costs you that time, uh, just be more risk tolerant um, and find as many ways as you can to get as much down when you have a big edge. All right, Joey. Uh, thanks for coming on, ladies and gentlemen. Joey Kanish. Joey Kanish. All right, everyone. Gam- gambling Twitter DGen, grinding that Ren Bunny as seen on NBA TNT. DM for betting partnership, once called basically a card counter by Dave Portnoy. I hate right. to say I enjoyed it, fellas, but uh, it, it is you know a couple of uh, Canucks from from Toronto. At least uh, at least my Habs futures are still alive. Oh, baby. Please, baby. Yeah, we're gonna down. cut that out. We're gonna cut that out. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna edit that in post. Detroit, Michigan's finest, which isn't saying much, which is not saying much. All right, we'll see everyone next week. Okay.